All right, turn to John chapter 4. This is the last message in our series, Let's Go. And uh, we are, uh, again, going to be getting the new series next weekend. But this one is the last one in the Let's Go series. The first message was called, Let's Come In. The second message, Let's Go Out. Last weekend's message, the third message was, Let's Be Friends. And this title might uh, hit you a little bit differently, but the title this week is, Let's Eat. Now, I'm not referring to the end of the fast, all right? I know many of us went on a 21-day fast, and that's not where this title came from. It didn't, you know, I ended the fast, and I thought, oh, okay, let's eat. Now, that wasn't how I got it, all right? But you have to read in John chapter 4 to be able to get pick up why I named it that, all right? So John 4, beginning in verse 5. John 4, verse 5. So he, referring to Jesus, came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied. I want you to notice the word wearied, that Jesus was wearied or tired, physically tired from his journey. Sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That means it was about 12 noon. The day began counting the hours at the six, at 6 a.m., so it'd be about 12 noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now remember that phrase, that his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. Okay, here's what I want you to notice about this. Jesus was hungry. He was thirsty. He was hungry because they went to buy food. He was thirsty because he asked for a drink, and he was tired. Jesus was a human being. He became a human, and humans get tired, and humans get hungry, and humans get thirsty. All right? We still haven't explained the let's eat. All right? Now, he has a conversation with this woman, and then his disciples come back. And I want you to notice what happens when they come back, and then we'll go back to the conversation later in the message. Verse 31. John 4, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, now watch this, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Notice the disciples never got it. (laughs) He's talking about spiritual food. They're saying, "Did did someone give him something to eat while we were gone? Jesus said to them, Verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To do the will and to finish the work. Do the will, finish the work. Notice the words will and work. Now, I want to remind you, we just finished a series called the Holy Bible. And one of the messages in that series, we talked about that God's word is the bread of heaven. That it is spiritual food. We talked about it's the water of life. It's drink as well. But remember this, we said God's word is spiritual food. Okay, let me add to that uh, truth, all right? If you're writing, you might want to write these things down, all right? If you're not writing, write these down, all right? (laughs) God's word is spiritual food. Listen carefully. God's will is spiritual food, and God's work is spiritual food. God's word, God's will, and God's work are our spiritual food. Have you ever been hungry 
tired and hungry. Jesus was tired and hungry and thirsty. You ever been tired and hungry and someone wanted to talk to you and you, you, you said something or thought something like this? If you, if you could just wait just a moment and, and just let me just sit down for a moment and, and, and eat something, I'd rather have this conversation after I eat. Anyone here ever thought anything like that? Why? Because food refreshes us and energizes us physically. Is it possible that spiritual food refreshes us and energizes us spiritually? And is it possible, now I'm not taking anything away from reading the Bible every day. I still want us to read the Bible every day. But that's only part of God's food. Here's what Jesus said. My food, and he's the word of God, my food is to do the will and to finish the work. I'm telling you that some of us are starving spiritually because we don't read the word, we don't do the will, and we don't finish the work. Let me say that again. We don't read the word or eat the word, study the word, memorize the word, meditate on the word. We don't do the will. And by the way, if you go back to some of those scriptures, he said, read this word, meditate on it, that you may do it, that you may do it. So we need to read the word, do the will, and finish the work. And here's what, here's what I mean by let's eat. Let's do the work of God. Let's do the will of God. Let's eat spiritually, all right? So... I want you to notice some things about this story, and we're going to go through this story. Here's number one. Jesus shared his story. When this woman began talking with him, Jesus actually shared his story with her. Watch this. Look at verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, notice he's on a spiritual conversation, she's back on a natural conversation. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? By the way, the answer to that is yes. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, natural water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, spiritual water, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, I've read this passage many, many times, preached many sermons on it, but never thought about it in this way. Jesus actually begins simply sharing his own story with this woman. He starts telling her who he really is. He starts just sharing his story. That's what I'm saying. Jesus simply said, let, let me explain something to you, who it is that you're talking with right now. Let me tell you who I am. And he shares his story about who he is. Your story is the most powerful witnessing tool that you have. Notice she tried to get him off on other subjects. First of all, she brings up race. She brings up race as a division. Well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Jesus didn't even answer that. He stuck with his story. Then she brings up reason. She says, well, you don't have anything to draw with. You know, she brings up reason. And then if you read later on, she says, well, our fathers say you ought to worship this mountain. Your fathers say, then she brings up religion. And she tries to divide. Listen, don't let people get you off track. 
You know, they bring up all these things. They bring up our divisions. They bring up our differences. Then again, they try to reason out, you know, well, what about the dinosaurs and all? Listen, say, I don't know about the dinosaurs, but let me tell you what I do know. I was in bondage, and now I'm free. And you're still in bondage, and I'm telling you how to get free. That's what I'm telling you. They did the same thing with the blind man in John 9 that was healed. They brought up all this religious argument. You remember what he said? One thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's what he's trying to tell the, the Pharisees. Here's what I know, and here's what you can't argue with. And I do the same thing when I'm witnessing. I share my story and I tell people, listen to me. Here's the way I was and here's the way I am. You can't argue with that. That's what we've got to do. We've got to just simply share our story. And let me show you something else Jesus did. Jesus started talking to this woman. Listen to me. If we're going to witness, listen carefully. If we're going to witness, at some point, you're going to have to actually talk to people. And it's easy to talk to people. I can teach you how to talk to people. Let me tell you how. I know every person's favorite subject. It's himself. That's exactly right. And if you don't believe that, I'll prove it to you. Who is the first person you look for in a group picture? Huh? And if you don't look good, the whole picture, that's a bad picture. Don't look at that picture. That's a bad picture there photographer was drunk or something. I don't know, but it's a bad picture. That's the way we are. I'm, listen, it, it's just, here, here's what you, every person likes to talk about his job, his vacation, his house, his car, his kids, his grandkids, you know. Now, I've told you before, I think it's absolutely shameless the way pastors use times to talk about their grandkids. And I'm not that kind of a guy. I just want you to know that. I wouldn't take an opportunity just talking, preaching along to talk about my grandchildren. So don't worry about that, even though I do have the cutest. But anyway, so all right, let's go back <clears throat> to the... Oh, look, the media department puts... Okay. As <laughs> the media department did that. Um, here's the point. Learn how to tell your story. And it's really simple. Every one of you have a story. And I want to tell you something. You say, well, your story's better than mine. Listen to me very carefully. The sin part of my story is not the good part. The Jesus part is the good part. And you've got that part. So just learn to share your story. That's what Jesus did. He simply shared his story with this lady. That's it. Now, let me show you something else he did. Here's number two. He moved in the miraculous he shared his story, and he moved in the miraculous. Now, look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, now this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. <laughs> she said, uh, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> okay, let me, let me explain something to you about this that maybe you don't know. That is a word of knowledge, that the Holy Spirit gives us something. A word of knowledge is to know something about a person by means of the Spirit that you don't know in the natural, all right? In other words, Jesus had never met this woman in the natural, so he didn't know this but because he met her and conversed with her before. His first time to meet her, he knew this by the Spirit. Now, please understand, I don't have time to explain 
to go into a whole um, a dissertation of this and explain this to you doctrinally. I'll show you a few verses on it, but you need to understand something. You say, well, yeah, Jesus could do that because he was Jesus. Listen to me carefully. Jesus laid down his divinity and became a human. And the things that he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully. Jesus moved on this earth. And listen, please, please, please hear this. You might even want to write this down. Jesus moved on this earth because of an intimate relationship with the Father and a sensitive relationship with the Spirit. Listen, Jesus did the ministry he did when he was on this earth as a human being through an intimate relationship with the Father and a sensitive relationship with the Spirit. Let, let me, and by the way, that's the way you're going to make it through this life. All right? And let me show you a few scriptures. Luke 4.14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He, this is coming out of the wilderness. Before he even began his ministry, the Holy Spirit came on him just like the Holy Spirit needs to come on us. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I want you to notice something. It doesn't say in his own power. It doesn't say he, he came out of the wilderness in his own power. It says in the power of the Spirit. John 5, 19, this is Jesus' own words. Watch this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. He's saying, I can't. He doesn't say he doesn't do anything. He says, I can't. I can't do anything on my own. I can only do what the Father shows me to do. And then Philippians 2, I want to read this out of the New Living Translation because it's a little easier to catch. Verses 6 and 7 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus ministered to this woman through his intimate relationship with the Father and his sensitive relationship to the Spirit. Now listen to me. The most fun you will ever have on this earth is when the Holy Spirit ministers through you to someone else. Amen. You can't have any more fun than that. It is incredible. My, uh, I've told you before that my, my, on my mother's side of the family, we have church planters. My father's side, we have uh, pagans. So uh, that's just the truth. My father was the first believer in his family. My father had two brothers. Uh, one of uh, the brothers was an alcoholic and used to come home at night and physically, um, when he was drunk, and physically abuse my aunt and my cousins. Uh, I, I, so I, and he had two sons, so I have two cousins through that uncle. Uh, one of those cousins, I used to do drugs with them in high school. When I was a teenager, I did drugs with them. Uh, one of those cousins died of a drug overdose. I preached his funeral. Uh, this is after I became a believer. Then he died of a drug overdose. The other cousin, uh, once I became a believer, I got very burdened for him. And so I, one, one week I drove to where he lived and, uh, because I felt led to talk to him about Jesus. And so I went and I was talking with him. What I didn't know was that uh, I knew that his father had physically abused his mother when he was drunk. He would come home and beat her up, literally just beat her up. And uh, my, this cousin of mine began taking karate when he was 12 years old with one purpose in mind, one goal, and that was to stop his father. And when he was 16 years old, he became a black belt in karate 
His father came home a few weeks later and began to hit his mother, and he stopped him. And he very, very efficiently stopped him. And so the next day, the father came at him and said, I'm going to kill you for beating me up last night. And he efficiently stopped him again. Uh, but the father then went in and packed his belongings and left and never came back. Now, the father needed to leave. I hate to see a marriage break up, but the mother did not need to be submitted to that. No woman needs to be submitted to physical abuse, none, and should always at least get out of that situation. Hopefully, the man will get saved. The marriage can be restored, but she does not need to stay in the home. She's being physically abused. But this cousin of mine felt like, even though he protected his mother, that he still brought the end of... Uh, their marriage, his parents' marriage. Anyway, I'm talking with him and trying to lead him to the Lord, and all this anger and bitterness is coming out about his father. And uh, I'm trying, he is in college and he's living with a girl outside of marriage. And I'm trying to lead him to the Lord. And uh, finally, he said to me, um, um, I, I, I am so, my father, so bad. And he tells me all this about all the abuse. I didn't know how bad it was. And uh, he says, I'm, I'm never going to be like my father. And by the Holy Spirit, I heard something. And I said to him, well, that's not true. That's not true. And he said, what do you mean that's not true? I said, without Jesus, you're going to be just like your father. And I said, and I'll bet you anything that you've already hit this girl you're living with. And he started crying, and he said, two times, twice now, I've gotten drunk and beat her up. And in a few moments, I led him to the Lord. And a few years later, he married the daughter of a pastor, and they're still married today. Now, that's how you can move in the miraculous when you're ministering to someone. See, it wasn't that I reasoned him into the kingdom. It was that the Holy Spirit got his heart. So that's what Jesus did. He ministered this woman through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the third thing I want to tell you. Number three, she, share, she shared her story. Now I'm talking about the Samaritan woman now. She shared her story. Look, look at verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I think that's so cool. I'm him. <laughs> I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Now, here's another prejudice, a gender prejudice. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman or the story who testified. He told me all things I ever did. She just went and told her story. Now, here's the amazing thing. This, this just absolutely shocks me. She had not even been through Bible college yet. <laughs> How in the world could you win someone to Jesus without theological training? Now, theological training is wonderful. It's excellent. It's great. Well, let me tell you how people win people to Jesus. People who met Jesus introduce people to him. All you have to do to introduce someone to someone is having, you just have to know them. That's it. She met Jesus. She immediately says, come meet this guy. 
And that's exactly what we do when we witness. That's all we do. And then they did the same thing. Look, verse 41. Many more believed because of his own word. Once they met him, then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They met him. This is how this thing just keeps going. Someone meets Jesus, they introduce someone to him. That person meets Jesus, they introduce someone else. Now, I am just pleading with you that we take advantage of these next four weeks. Look look at verse 35 of this passage. Jesus said, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I think that is a prophetic word for Gateway Church. I don't think we need to say, well, the harvest is going to come when we get in the new building. No, the harvest is ripe right now. Right now. So please do everything you can. Remember that scripture we read a few weeks ago, Luke 14, 23. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That's our charge from the Spirit of God. That's our charge from Jesus. I want you to go out and compel people to come in find someone neighbors people you work with or someone you just meet this last week i was in a restaurant i invited the waitress and the manager who said they would come it's that simple if we'll just take the first step jesus will do the rest now one other thing about this passage i study and i study most of the week and get the message and all, and then Saturday mornings is mainly my time to pray over it. I'll review it, but then I pray. And I always pray in the Spirit. I believe it's good to pray in the Spirit because according to the Bible, it says that when we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit prays through us. And I think the Spirit is smarter than I am. And so I think he might pray some things that I don't even know to pray. So while I was praying in the Spirit, and this has happened many, many times to me, a thought popped in my head. I want to tell you about this thought. I want you to think about this. Just think about this. Remember verse 8 says, Now the disciples had gone into the city to buy food. You remember that? John 4, 8. Now the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Okay. Disciples gone away to buy Jesus has this conversation. Okay. This is what the thought came in my mind. How did John, John wrote the book of John. How did John know about this conversation to write it down. Have you ever thought about that? If he'd gone into the city to buy food, I mean, did Jesus tell him about this when he got back? Because there's no record of that. Did he interview the woman? Did he say, I'm writing a book, and I was just, what, and, and, no, wait, wait, what exactly did he say? What, how do you know? Okay, as soon as that thought came in, then here came another, here came another. the next thought was, in the chapter right before this, a man named Nicodemus came to say, see Jesus at night, middle of the night. And John knew about that conversation. And then when he was on the cross, Jesus said some things that only John recorded. Matthew, Mark, Luke didn't even record it. But John was there to hear it. And then I remembered this description of John. He's the disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast. You know what I think? It doesn't say that all the disciples went into the city to buy food. It simply said the disciples. I think John said, uh, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay with Jesus. 
And I think that when Nicodemus came and rapped on the door, John got up and listened to that conversation. I think John had figured out, wherever he goes, I'm going. I don't want to miss one word that this guy says. I think he hung out with him all the time. And it's amazing that Jesus, out of all the disciples and even brothers, says at the cross, because there was one of them left, uh, to his mother, this is your son, and to John, you take care of my mother. Here's the reason I'm saying that. The power to go out comes from the time that we come in. Do you think that we said, okay, the month of February is going to be a month where we're going to win people the Lord? Do you think that the devil said, okay, I might as well take a vacation? Or do you think he'll do everything he can to stop you from being an instrument that God uses this next month? Here's the reason I'm telling you this. I want us to invite people. But the intimacy and the sensitivity that we need comes from spending time with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you spend time with God every day. Because Satan's going to attack this next month. But greater is the one in us than the one that's in the world. So make sure you spend time with Jesus in February. And make sure that when you feel led to invite someone to come, that you follow through and you do what God tells you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to put some people on your heart that you're supposed to bring. They might even be people that you don't even know that well. You, you might even be in, in ownership or management of a company, and it might not even be someone that you would normally even think of that that person would think, well, I can't believe this guy's asking me to come. I can't believe she's asking me to come. I didn't even know she knew I existed. And God could use that to bring a soul to salvation. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to bring to church next week or sometime in the month of February? And it might even be someone you haven't even met, like the waitress or the manager at the restaurant for me. But let's be sensitive. We want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty right now, we want to pray for you before you leave today. We want to pray for you. No matter which service you're attending, whether it's Southlake or NRH or Harkins Theater, we want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty with your family, your finances, your health, your relationship with God, maybe you're here and you're not even sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Or you know you believe in God, but you've walked away from Him. So maybe some sin really has a hold of you. If you need prayer for any reason at all, when we stand in just a moment, I want you just to stand up and step out and come to the front. There are going to be leaders at the front. And let us pray for you. Let us help you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. 
And, and it's really not embarrassing. That's a lie that Satan tries to tell people. And I want to expose it as a lie. It's really not embarrassing because there'll be other people coming. And we shouldn't be embarrassed about asking for prayer because we're in church. That's what we do in church. You pray for people. And everybody goes through difficulties. You're not the only one or the worst guy in the world because you're going through a difficulty. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, again, whether you're attending Southlake, NRH, or Harkins, as soon as we stand up, I want you just to stand up and step out and come and let us pray for you. Just make up your mind right now. You're going to come and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has any prayer need in Jesus' name. Amen.